Oh, right. Wow. Woo. Poor Joy. She was so nervous a couple weeks ago that we were going to have all these tables set up and 50 women were going to be here. But this is what I know. In the Lake Norman community, women are hungry for God. And so I pray that next week you'll bring two friends with you. I'm not kidding. Bring them. We got to move into the sanctuary. Hallelujah. I think that'd be awesome. Get ready, Kurt. You may be having to do a different sound booth next week. All right. So we are going to dive in. This is a Bible study. All right, so you are going to read lots and lots of scripture today. It's all going to be on the screens. We're going to read it together. But I do hope that you will bring your Bibles, bring your phones, bring whatever you utilize. But I would highly encourage you, if you have one of these old-fashioned things called a Bible that's bound, um, (laughs) if you have one of these... You might want to start bringing it over the next couple of weeks because here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. When you go home today, you've got the notes in front of you. All the scriptures we're going to read are on these notes. I, I think it's really wise to go through your Bible and highlight in a particular color all the scriptures that you learn about the Holy Spirit. As you do that, you will see that the word is just full of explaining to you, pointing out to you the personality and the works of the Holy Spirit. So that's, for me, that's a little harder on a phone to see it all at once. You know, you only can see what's right in front of you. But when you open your Bible and you see just, you know, like I use pink for the Holy Spirit. It's just my New Testament and now the Old Testament is just full of all this. And I can go in there and kind of remind myself very quickly um, about his works, his attributes and what all. So if you, have, if you don't have one of these old-fashioned things that's paper between, you know, fake leather, um, you can get one. They're still available um, in stores. <laughs> Or on Amazon or whatever. But I really do, I really do encourage you. Um, so oh, that's why we did tables. So you could open up your Bibles. You could mark them up. It's okay to write in them. It's all right. Nothing, no lightning is going to come down or anything. So um, um, anyway, use it. But we are, we are going to use the screens to uh, read today. So when I first purchased my um, iPhone, I was all excited about getting it. And I knew that I was going to be able to make better calls. I knew I was going to be able to take some really great pictures. I knew I was going to be able to text. I knew I was going to be able to get on the Internet um, in this little tiny thing. I was watching Apollo 13 the other day. My husband said, do you know that there's more power in your phone than there was in the first shuttle that launched? I mean, that just, like, blows my mind. But anyway, do not get sidetracked, Michelle. You only have so much time. Okay, so... Um, anyway, but I realized about a month after having this phone, like people were doing all kinds of stuff with their phone that I wasn't doing because I didn't know how to use my phone to its maximum. So I scheduled an appointment at the Apple store, you know, to go to the little tutoring bar there. Well, they just started showing me, I mean, like all kinds of stuff that I could do because I was not utilizing the full capabilities of that phone. I owned it. It belonged to me. But I was insufficient in my utilization of it. Still am. I'm still growing in my use of my iPhone. But you know what? I think a lot of times our spiritual life is like that. We come into a relationship with Jesus, 
And we start to learn about this new, um, this new relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we start to learn about the qualities of Jesus and how to follow Him. Um, and we start to learn what it means to live as part of the family of God and to, you know, what this whole kingdom thing is. But we really don't step fully into the fullness of the relationship that we have with the Trinity because we leave this person, the Holy Spirit, kind of off to the side. You know, many of us have grown up in um, religious traditions that kind of talk about the Holy Spirit like he's crazy Uncle Charlie, you know, that comes for Thanksgiving dinner and it's like, well, he's here, but let's not talk to him too much, you know, or let's just let him know about dinner a week before Thanksgiving because uh, maybe he won't come. We kind of have this arm's distance, you know, we grew up with Holy Ghost and we're like, whoa, what's that, you know? And and so he becomes very mystical, very distant, and like, you know, I don't want to become one of those goofy people um, so that follow the Holy Spirit or are filled with the Holy Ghost. So I'm just going to do the Father thing, and I'm going to do the Son thing really well, and then I'm going to like maybe put my toe in the water when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But if we do that, it's like having a phone and only using it for phone calling and texting. It's like there's so much more to the relationship. There's so much more to uh, uh, this dynamic life, this fullness of joy, this fullness of life that Christ promised us. Um, there's, there's a lot to it. And if we leave the Holy Spirit off to the side, we are not engaging in the fullness of the relationship with God the Father of His Son and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about what it looks like to have relationship with the Holy Spirit, what it looks like to minister through Him in an authentic way. And we're even going to go to that spooky place of talking about tongues and try to demystify it and understand what that's all about. So that's going to be week number three. And if you've got friends that are like scratching their head about that, I encourage you to make sure that they um, come that week. And then the last week, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and how we operate in them and how we can see them operating in the church and in our world today. Because I am fully convinced, I am absolutely convinced that the next awakening, spiritual awakening in our country is going to come through signs and wonders where people are not going to be able to deny the power of God. So we have to learn how to function in those gifts responsibly and authentically so that when God says, I'm breaking out, we're able to be his vessels. He can utilize us and trust us with the gifts that he wants to flow through us. Anybody want to be part of that day? I do. I want to be a key player in that season. So the world needed Jesus. So God sent him. But Jesus said that the world needed the Holy Spirit. He made it very clear to us that every believer was going to need to know the Holy Spirit. Our first scripture is this, John 14, 25, 26. All right, we're going to read all these scriptures aloud because faith comes by what? Hearing. Harold cried and hearing the word of God. All right, here we go. All this have I spoken while still with you. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
In a later conversation in John 16, 7, um, he said this. Let's read this. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus gave the disciples um, his most thorough instruction to the, um, the Holy Spirit. He says, introduction to the Holy Spirit. He says, so wonderful is this one who will be sent that it's better if I go away. If I don't go, he can't come. So we know that Jesus wanted to connect us to the Holy Spirit. The resurrection was powerful, but it was not empowering. Do you get that? The resurrection, we're going to be celebrating it in like a few weeks. I cannot believe it is almost April. But anyway, I heard some story this morning on the news that as you age, your molecules get more sensitive to time. I'm like, dang, I've got a lot of molecules that are changing. But anyway, um, Easter is this phenomenal time where we celebrate the power of the resurrection, that our God is alive and that Jesus reigns and we don't serve a God that's buried and dead and silent. And that's wonderful, but it, the resurrection didn't empower us. It's when the Holy Spirit came that we had the opportunity to receive the empowerment to live the resurrected life, okay? So let's talk about who the Holy Spirit is. That's what we're going to focus on today. We are going to focus on his works and his personality. So we know this person that we are um, supposed to have relationship with. Now, the first thing that we need to know about him, and Lori, I do not have with me the notes that I, because I changed some of my notes. I don't have the handout with me. So if I miss something, just yell, you missed one. Oh, um, thank you. Perfect. Okay. Uh, well, hopefully, you know what? I can't follow two sheets of paper. So anyway, just yell, just <laughs> I haven't overcome that yet. Okay. So the Holy Spirit, we first have to understand that the Holy Spirit is fully God, the third person of the Trinity. He is distinct, but yet he's one, right? There's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all distinct. They all have uniqueness to them, and we relate to them uniquely. God is our father. God's our father, and we're part of this family. We're daughters of the father, the one who spoke this world into existence, created us in our mother's womb, and he's father and all those attributes of a father. Jesus Christ, the son, is the one who ministers healing to us. He's the one who is our champion. He is our king. He is the soon coming king. He is the one that we follow. He is the one, he's our savior. He is the one um, who died and rose again. So he has a uniqueness about him, but he's all part of this trinity, this all one. And then there is the Holy Spirit, the one who came after Jesus. And he has a he has specific personality traits and he has specific works that are attributed to him. So the Holy Spirit is deity, just like God is deity and Jesus is deity. The Holy Spirit is deity as well. And I am going to grab this chair so I can put my water on it. So I'm not going to have to bend over um, all day. Excuse me, just a second. So, um, 
So we've he is deity, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, just like God is, and just like Jesus Christ is. What I want to focus on right now is that the Holy Spirit has divine works attributed to him. And his first work is um, uh, in Genesis 1-1, right at the beginning. So let's read this scripture together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to continue to read here. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Spirit of God is another name for the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to look at about 60 names for the Holy Spirit in your scripture. We're not going to study all 60 of those. It's going to be listed on a sheet of paper. Um, but he hovered, and that word hover is like an incubator. It's as though he, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, hovered over the earth like a mother hen would hover over the eggs as they are incubating and warm. That was part of the Holy Spirit's responsibility. You see, the Holy Spirit did not come at Pentecost. A lot of us think that's when he came on the scene. It's when he dramatically came on the scene. It was a new season of releasing him into the earth. But the Holy Spirit was operational, was at work at creation along with the Father and the Son. He was an agent in the creation process. So if he was part of creation and he dwells within you, what does that mean is established in you? What ability do you have? You have creative ability within you because he is within you. Now, you might not be as creative as Picasso or Rembrandt, but you have creative ability within you. So when I am, when I'm getting ready to make a presentation, let's say, um, to, uh, uh, to a prospective person who wants to get involved with Above and Beyond, which is the Missions Foundation I run right now. So when I'm getting ready to make a presentation and I don't know them really well, I pray and I invite the Holy Spirit to create within me, give me, give me a mindset to put together, to create um, uh, a presentation that will speak to that individual, that will really uh, highlight to that person what needs to be highlighted. Because the Holy Spirit is an agent of creation, and he dwells within me, so I can call upon him to help me in the creative process. Second, the Holy Spirit is the inspiration of the scriptures. Let's read 2 Timothy 3.16. Go. So the Holy Spirit is the one who um, inspired scripture. Have you ever written a note to somebody, a letter or just a note to somebody, and then you see them later and they say to you, oh my gosh, that note spoke to my heart. That note really, boy, the scripture you put in that, so that is exactly what I needed to hear. Anybody ever have that happen? So what happened in that moment when you wrote that note, you were inspired 
by the Holy Spirit to speak the words of God to that individual. Now, did the Holy Spirit take over your hand, you know? No, it wasn't some weirdo thing. He just, he inspired, he breathed into your heart and into your mind the words that he knew that would be a blessing. So you can pray for that. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who inspires God's word, you can ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you what to say to another person. But it's more than that. Because the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, the Holy Spirit knows the scriptures better than anybody else. So when we open up our word and we're like, whoa, I'm in this Leviticus thing and then they burned these animals and then they, you know, did that. Well, you know what? It's in there for a reason. Now, I don't always know the reason why it's in there. Like all those bagats. Um, but they're in there for a reason. But what I do find is when I go, when I'm in the word and I ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, you wrote this. <laughs> you inspired this. I don't get it. Would you help me get it? Would you make this clear? Why did you put this in there? It's amazing to me. I'll get led to a, a commentary. I'll get led to a, I'll be listening to a podcast. I'll go to a class. I'll be, I'll hear a sermon. I'll hear a song. And all of a sudden, within a few days, I start to get understanding about that scripture that was, I was scratching my head about because the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the scriptures. He inspired an inexhaustible book. This book is like no other book. I've read some really great books in my life. In fact, I've got a couple of books that I like to read like every three years because I just think they've got golden nuggets in them. But none of those books, the best book I've ever read I've ever read the best story I've ever read. I love Les Miserables. I love the book. I love the play. I love the opera. I love everything. I hear, oh, just march on French Revolution. I mean, I love it. I love it. But that book does not stir me. That, that does not stir me like this does. This is inexhaustible. You can read a scripture 27 times in your life, and the 28th time you read it, it explodes. It's so pertinent to your life. That's because the Holy Spirit inspired it. This are not just words on a page. That's why it's never ending. That's why we can hear sermons on the same scripture 97 times in our lifetime. And we're like, that was a different take. And that was a different take. And that was a different take. Because it's not like any other book. It's also, this book is indestructible. There's a whole lot of books that I've given. I have given away hundreds of books. When we downsized from our house in Burkdale and moved to antiquity, I probably gave 200, 250 books away. Nobody cared about those books. I thought they were awesome books. I, I could hardly give them away, you know. But um, they, books get burned, get banished, all kinds of stuff. Governments have tried to quelch this thing. They've tried to keep countries. They've resisted people being allowed to read it. This book is indestructible. The more people try to get rid of it, the bigger it starts to circulate. There are places in the world right now where it started with one scripture. They rip the pages out and people circulate it and circulate it so that over time they get to read the whole Bible. This is a book that is treasured. 
It's treasured. And so that's it. So we see the power of the Holy Spirit within it because it's not like any other book. It's not like any other book. So when you go to read it, ask him to help you read it. Ask him to show you what's in it. He's the author of it. He guards it. He's inspired it. He's breathed it into life. Anybody feel a little different about their Bible right now than they did when they walked in? Okay, another work of the Holy Spirit is it mentioned in John 15, 26 to 27. Let's read this. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, another name for the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Okay, so who's the he in he will testify about me? Who's the he? And who's the me? Jesus. Okay, so the Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus. He will bear witness of me and testify about me. The Holy Spirit testifies to our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and our Savior. He opens our eyes to, the, to, to our need of a Savior and then helps us go from hearing to believing. He is the agent of salvation. So... Um, and I'm going to talk about that more in the next point. Okay, uh, John 16, 7 and 8. Let's read, uh, let's see. Do I, did I not put that one in, Lori? Huh? I'm on the next point. 16, 8. Okay, um, so there, let's read this one. But, I, but verily, very truly I tell you that it's for your good that I'm going away Unless I go away, the advocate, another name for the Holy Spirit, advocate, uh, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove this. Okay, so when he, I'm going to read this to you out of a little different translation. When he comes, he is Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will reprove or he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So what does that mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people, not condemns. He is the one who convicts people of sin. So let's talk about that a little bit. The word reprove, not a word that we use very often, but that word, when Jesus spoke that word, either reprove or convict, he actually used the word, and this is how it's spelled, E-L-E-G-C-H-O. I have no idea how to pronounce it. So E-L-E-G-C-H-O. Yeah. Right, whatever you said. I think that's probably right. Okay, so that means, what did you say? Elecho. Elecho. Oh, I like that. That's a rush. Oh, I like it a lot. Okay, elecho. Pretty cool. Um, it means, this is what it means. It means to expose the guilt or to convict someone of their crime. 
So that's the word that Jesus used. The Holy Spirit is going to convict someone to expose their guilt to them and convict them of what they did wrong. So it was a word that was used in a legal sense. When a person was being cross-examined by a prosecuting attorney and that person was found to be guilty of the accusation against them, the court would then convict them. And that process was alecho. Okay, that was that. That was that convicting, reproving. So let's put that into terms of our own lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who cross-examines our heart until, until we realize, until we are utterly convicted and convinced that we are in need of a savior. He is the one who does that. He is the one who like puts the finger on the button that says to our heart, we say internally to our own heart, guilty as charged. I am guilty of rejecting God. I am guilty of being outside of God's favor. I am guilty of sin. I am guilty of living a life separated from God and living in the arrogance of believing I can do life on my own. I'm guilty. Guilty is charged. And then the Holy Spirit comes. When we admit that and we receive that conviction, then the Holy Spirit washes us, releases forgiveness. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So he releases the forgiveness. He gives us a sense of freedom. And then he gives us a sense of being in right standing with God. So the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of our sinful condition, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you've all experienced the reproving process. You've all been, you all had that experience of being convicted and saying, I need a savior. So if, if um, he's the one who convicts us of our sin, our sinful condition, and leads us into a relationship with Jesus, then when we're praying for our lost friends, our friends or our family members who are distant from God, who is it that's going to bring them into a relationship with Jesus? The Holy Spirit. It isn't you. You don't lead anybody to the Lord. You testify. You bear witness to the, the wonderfulness of being a follower of his, you testify to his grace, to his mercy, to his forgiveness, to his freeing power, to his delivering power. You testify, but you don't convict anybody of their sin. That is a job for the Holy Spirit. So when we're praying for our lost ones, it's not a prayer of, oh God, I just pray that Johnny would find you. Well, I mean, that's an okay prayer, but it's a limp prayer. It's limp. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay because you're praying for him, but it's limp. It's weak. What you want to do is you want to call upon the Holy Spirit. He says this is his job. Jesus said this is what he's going to do. He's going to convict people. So what you do is you invite him to convict. (laughs) You say, Lord, 
Johnny needs a little conviction. I can't do it. It'll come off as condemnation. You're the one who convicts people of their need for a savior. Lord, I'm asking you, send the Holy Spirit to convict Johnny. Send the Holy Spirit. Start haunting him. Start knocking on the door of his heart. Start showing him that he is in need of a savior. Reach him in the way that only you can reach somebody. Jesus, I ask you, release the Holy Spirit. Chase after Johnny and don't give up, Holy Spirit. Keep going after him. Keep going after him. Keep going after him. Keep going after him. That is a prayer that has, that's got a little moxie to it. Plus you're inviting the Holy Spirit. You're saying, I trust the Holy Spirit to be the person that he says that he is. You're engaging him. We're not supposed to just know about the Holy Spirit, ladies. We're supposed to have an engaging relationship with him. Amen? It's like my husband. I know my husband knows how to wield a hammer. That man can build anything, fix anything, and he is just awesome. He knows his tools. So I don't just talk about how Walt knows his tools. I say, baby, build it. (laughs) I need that fixed. Go get your hammer, you know? This is what you do. You are good at this. Go do that for me, please. We... That's because I have relationship with him. You called him and you asked him to do that. He'd say, who's his loon, you know? But I have relationship with him so I can call upon him to do the very things that he's gifted to do. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings people to salvation. So engage him, invite him, bring him in to the lives of the people who are distant from him. You don't have to tell them that. I mean, I don't call my relatives and go, hey, I just prayed for you this morning and asked the Holy Spirit to sick you. I mean, you know, it's just you just keep doing it. You just keep pounding and be the persistent widow and eventually breakthrough will come. Okay, then after he convicts us of sin, the next thing that he does, which I'm really glad of this, is he assures us then of our salvation and our righteousness. Uh, What do we have? Romans 8, 15 to 16. Read that one. So he is, he is um, one who the Holy Spirit, once we are born again, the Holy Spirit begins to convince us that we have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ and that we are able to walk out his truths with confidence. The Holy Spirit gives us what I call the knowing You know, when I'm in doubt or I'm wondering, oh, you know, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 29. Um, uh, There were cars then and stuff, but um, (laughs) there have been seasons in my life since then that I've wondered, Lord, I'm such an idiot. You know, do I really know you? I mean, how could I be like this if I really, truly know you? Like, did I really, you know, like... Am I really in? Like, are you part of my life? You know, I've had those moments where I've just really wondered. And boy, it's like immediately 
Well, the thoughts that come to me are, you're my beloved. You're the apple of my eye. You know, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. All these scriptures will start flooding to me. And the Holy Spirit just gives you that knowing. I am a daughter of the king of kings, and there's nothing you can do about it, enemy. I mean, it's like, I just, I know this is who I am. Do I always act like it? No. But that doesn't matter. You know, when my son acts up, I don't know that he's a Hoverson either, but he is, you know, I know from when he came, you know, he's from me and he's part of my DNA. And so I know who he is, even though sometimes his actions don't align to our family values. Love you, Travis. Okay. So he gives us that knowing, even when we get lax in our spiritual disciplines, the Holy Spirit will give us that abiding confidence that we belong to God, that we are in, he, it says that he, um, he uh, testifies that we are in, we are righteous. What does that mean? Righteous. The righteousness of God. It means it's it's not about our behavior, it's about our standing, that we are in right standing with God. He convinces us of that. And when we realize that we're in right standing with God, that prompts us to live rightly before God. The more you understand who you belong to. And who loves you with an everlasting love? The more you want to live in a way that brings them pleasure. See, we're not obedient to God out of this duty thing. Better get it right today. You know, he is not a harsh taskmaster. We serve, we live, we obey out of a love relationship. I want to bring pleasure to the, my father. And that's a whole nother teaching. Okay, so, um, but the Holy Spirit will convince us. He'll remind us. He'll encourage us that we're in right standing with God. So if you're ever feeling a little wobbly, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you some reassurance. You know, get those scriptures in your Bible that tell you who you are and go to them and review them with the Holy Spirit and just say, would you just wash over me afresh? That's why we sing songs like, I am a child of God and, you know, stuff like that because we need that refreshing to remind us that we are in right standing. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to take a couple minutes at your table. We're going to turn a corner here and I want you to talk at your tables don't any one person dominate the conversation, please. But um, just talk at your tables. Which of these attributes, which of these uh, working attributes of the Holy Spirit was either new to you or the most refreshing to you or you just needed to be reminded of it? And you're going to freshly re-engage with the Holy Spirit in that particular area. So you got a few minutes to have that conversation.
Okay, one more minute. One more minute. Okay, put a comma there, and uh, you can continue that conversation uh, maybe a little bit later or over coffee or something like that. All right, so let's dive into the Holy Spirit as a person. What makes a person a person? What separates us from non-people, i.e. animals? Believe it or not, your dogs are not people. Okay, what? no matter how cute they look in their little collars... Um, they're not people. So what separate, what, what makes us different? Just somebody throw some things out. What makes us different from people? Wait, what? A soul? Yep. I, 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 think, I think some animals have a soul though, because a soul is a mind, a will, and an emotion. And my dog had emotions, definitely had a will, um, and a mind. However, in the mind category, what's different between us and the animals? reasoning. We can reason. We can make choices, right? We have the ability to control our reactions emotionally. Well, some of us do. Uh, uh, We have the ability, we do have the ability to control our emotions, to not, you know, go into rage or whatever. We have the ability to reason things out, right? To calculate and, um, you know, I, I, I inherited a very abused uh, cat. I'm like, I'm not a cat person. Um, I will say, uh, but I am a, I am a Kiki person because she is. She was so abused and she's so precious. She's only three pounds, and she walks all pigeon toed. So I, I'm a Kiki person, but I'm not a cat person. So Kiki means little child in Hawaiian, and that's what she is in her little. But anyway. But you know what? She does not have the ability, even though I've had her, I adopted her six or seven months ago, she still does not have the ability to reason that when I go to put my hand out, it's to pet her, not to harm her. She's still figuring that out, right? But we have that ability. When somebody acts up, we can go, wounded. I'm not going to respond to that, right? Wounded. <laughs> walking with it. They're walking wounded. They got a bruised heart. It's okay. I'm going to go with the flow here. We have that ability. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit is a person. He has emotions. He has a mind. He has a will. He chooses. He selects. He speaks. He talks. He moves in our life. He relates to us. So let's look at these things of the personhood. He is kind. He's sensitive. Um, He is not weird. He is not a weird person. People make him weird. He is not weird, okay? There are some people who describe him in weird ways, but he's not goofy. Um, The people who sometimes represent him are goofy. All right, so let's look at the attributes that he has as a person. One, he helps. John 15, 26 says this. Go ahead. So 
So that says advocate. There are other translations that say helper. So Lori, I definitely am going to share all the scriptures with you next week so we get the different translations in. So um, John 15, 16, and some translations say when the helper comes. So how does he help us? First of all, John 14, 25, 26, he, remind, he teaches us and he reminds us. So he teaches us. Today, when I prayed about, when I got up this morning and I prayed about coming here, I said, Holy Spirit, if I try to teach anything, it'll fall flat on its face because I have nothing to teach. But if you will teach about you, today will be a significant day. He teaches us and he reminds us. Have you ever been in a situation where he's you had a scripture come to mind. You're praying for somebody and you don't really know what to say, but the scripture comes to your mind that you've stored in the library of your heart, right? But he also reminds us of just the things we need to know. So when I'm at my house and I leave and I'm about two blocks away and I remember that my phone is plugged into the charger still in the kitchen, I no longer get mad about that. No, I say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me before I got all the way to work, parked, got inside the building, and now have to turn around and go home. Thank you that you remind me. Thank you that you remind me that I told people I would call them. Thank you that you remind me that I told people I would pray for them. Thank you. I mean, like when a name comes to me, I'll be thinking, I'll be just driving down the road, a name will come to me. Oh my gosh, I, was, I told them I would pray for them. Do it right then, right there. You know? So he reminds us because he's our helper. So invite him to remind you of things. And that's another way you can engage him. He also, he helps us because he counsels us and he guides us. He will give us counsel. You will have that sense of, I call it red light, green light, red, red light, yellow light, green light. You'll have this sense of um, halt. Have you ever been on your way to something and you're just like, no, I am not to go there. Um, that's the counsel of the Holy Spirit. That's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Or you just have this sense of, um, of an overwhelming desire to do something. Like you just, you just have this pursuit within you. And you're like, why am I just like beating this drum? Because the Holy Spirit is guiding you and, and magnetizing you to get engaged with something or to do something or to be with somebody. He's, he's a prompter. He's a motivator. And you can engage him and ask him to help you in that. He also convicts. We've talked about that. He convicts us. I want to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. I do not want a hard, stony heart. Part of the problem with our world today is that people's consciences have gotten seared and they've got hard hearts and I don't want a hard heart. So let, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's different than condemnation. Condemnation makes you feel bad about who you are at the core of your being. Conviction is like, my bad. I got to correct this. You know, you, you, it's like I say, God spanks me and gives me a promotion at the same time. You know, it's like I don't feel, I don't feel all beaten down. That's the enemy. He just convicts. He corrects. And you're like, oh, you pray that prayer of repentance and it's like a new day dawns, you know, and it's like wonderful. It doesn't linger. And then he fellowships with us. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to do this week is I want you to get used to talking to him. 
I want you to pray to him. I want you to invite him. I want you to have fellowship with him. I want you to thank him for reminding you of things. I want you to just um, just talk, get used to talking to him. You're probably used to talking to the Father. The Father will not feel abandoned if you start talking to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus won't feel rejected if you start talking to the Holy Spirit. Get used to that. Start engaging him and acknowledge your fellowship um, with him. The Holy Spirit as a person can be resisted, disobeyed, and ignored. So remember the story about Peter um, and Ananias and Sapphira? Well, they, they didn't give all their money that they said that they gave. And um, Peter says to them, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have, what's the word there? Oh, I'm sorry. What'd they do? They lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for themselves some of the money. So um, that's a resisting. They resisted the Holy Spirit. Cost them their life. Um, But they, they resisted the Holy Spirit. So he can be disobeyed. And we know that, right? I remember one time I got this, I, I call them the shoulder tap. I got the shoulder tap from the Holy Spirit to give this person some money. And uh, I didn't do it. I'm like, I'm not giving them money. Um, <laughs> they're going to go spend it on the wrong stuff. And I'm not, do, I'm, that couldn't have been the Holy Spirit. Got to my car, give them some money. And I just thought, what is it with me? You know, I was attributing it to me. Well, I started driving off that parking lot, and I just felt like the weight of the world was all of a sudden on my shoulders, you know? So I pulled back in, went out, gave the person some money, told them to have a wonderful day. Um, And uh, all of a sudden, liberty, the weight of the world was off. Because when we disobey, he convicts. We're not at peace when we disobey. Um, so also as a person, the Holy Spirit expresses his will. He expresses his will. Now he might not show up at the end of our bed and express his will. Thou shalt not go to that movie tonight, but he does express his will to us. He gives us that again. It's that I call it either quiet or disquiet. You know, we kind of know his will because when we're aligned with his will, we're moving with this quiet confidence. And when we're not aligned with his will, we're disquieted. It's not something's just out of alignment. It's like one of your tires pulling you hard to the left, you know, and you just know you got to get into the auto store and get those tires realigned because you're just not flowing right. So Paul is traveling with Silas and Timothy, and Paul plans to head to modern-day Turkey to preach the gospel, which would seem very logical and obviously very godly. But the problem is the plan (laughs) isn't in alignment with what the Holy Spirit wants him to do. And the scripture says um, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia because it wasn't, it wasn't that preaching the word in Asia was a bad thing. It was a good thing, but it wasn't what God wanted them to do. So the Holy Spirit gave them, forbid them. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what he said, but they had a knowing that it was a no. It was a red light. Don't go. I have to be done in five minutes, right? Or am I five minutes over? Okay, so um, I just want to share this story with you because it makes it really real. So several years ago, I was scheduled to go on a mission trip 
to London with a friend of mine who was going to be ministering to Muslims in London. And I was really stoked. I really wanted to go on this trip. I wanted that experience. I just wanted to be, I wanted to be in that river, you know, of being really stretched to minister to Muslim women. Um, well, about, I had my ticket, I cashed in frequent flyer miles, you know, I was just all pumped. Well, about two weeks before the trip, I just like did not have peace about going on this trip. And I thought, I'm not afraid of flying. I've always wanted to go to London. I mean, I've been praying about ministering in a hard, hard soil for a while, but I just, I, I just did not have, I, I just was really disquieted. And, um, one of the pastors at the time, Will, walked by my door and looked at me and he said, are you okay? And I said, I'm just sitting here pondering because I just have this sense I'm not supposed to go to London. He said, you're not supposed to go to London. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I called my friend and I said, Liz, I, I'm sorry, but I, I just am really disquiet about going on this trip. And, um, She's like, oh, you know, sorry. And I mean, I was going to lose I mean, these points cashed in, yada, yada. Well, anyway, make a long story short, the day that I was to arrive in London, that, so I would have flown eight hours, arrived, gotten settled. That day, I was home. I went home early. I just had a feeling I needed to go home. Went home early, and my husband was throwing up green when I got home. Took him to the emergency room, 2 o'clock in the morning, which would have been my first full day in London. He was having emergency bowel obstruction surgery. If I had gone to London, he would have died because he said, I've just got a bad case of the flu. And I'm like, the flu is not green, you know? So, (sighs) oh, those men. So, if I had gone to London, he would have died. He He would have died that night. So early that next morning. So that knowing that disquiet, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit giving us that red light. Don't go. And so many of us get ourselves in trouble because we ignore it and go, but I want to. But I want to, but I've been planning, but I spent the money, but I promised a friend. And all those buts gets us into a lot of trouble because we have disobeyed those promptings that we've been praying for. Okay, next, the Holy Spirit speaks. I think we've already talked about that. Revelations 2.10, write that one down. It says, let he who has ears to hear hear what the Holy Spirit says to the church. The Holy Spirit is trying to talk to us on a regular basis, but are we listening? (laughs) The Holy Spirit also intercedes for us and helps us to pray. So when we don't know what to pray, he will move us. He will guide us because he's our helper. He will guide us and he will lead us how to pray. He knows all truth. He is um, deity. He knows everything. And the Holy Spirit also teaches. Um, We've read this John 14 now several times. He teaches us all things. And he will illuminate the scriptures and teach them to you if you will invite him. And then the Holy Spirit as a person grieves. Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I can't get any plainer than that. What is grieving the Holy Spirit? 
I think it's ignoring him. I think it's resisting him and disobeying him. What grieves you? What grieves you? The thing that grieves me the most is when my, ch- when my child disobeys me, r- just willfully disobeys me, breaks my heart. And I think that's what breaks the heart of the Holy Spirit too. If you're worried about grieving the Holy Spirit, like, did I grieve the Holy Spirit? If I did that, did I grieve the Holy Spirit? You probably didn't because you're so worried about grieving the Holy Spirit, right? And then the whole, as a person, the Holy Spirit loves Love this one, Romans 15, 30. Let's read this one together. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle for praying for God. So the Holy Spirit loves us. What is love? Love is really a commitment to a person to want the very best for them. When we marry, we're saying to that person, I commit to live in a way that will heighten the best for you. I want the best for you. And the Holy Spirit wants the best for us, the absolute best. Does that mean that sometimes he's going to correct us? Yes, because he wants the best for us. He loves us. He wants to see us succeed. So is he going to convict us? Yes. Is he going to pull the reins back on us a little bit? Yes, because he loves us. And he wants what's best for us. And then the most important thing is, to me, the Holy Spirit resides. He is resident in our lives. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are the what? God's temple. And that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, lives within you. So let him move around. <laughs> let him go room to room. Don't keep him locked up in a little closet, you know, or like over here where the pancreas is or something. You know, like let him, let him flow. Let him live in you. Let him be free flowing in you and out of you. So I want to, um, and you know what? Because he's resident in you, you take him wherever you go. Like he's not just with you in church. He's not just with you at your devotional time. He's also with you when you're at Target and you want to strangle the person in front of you for having 20 items in the 10-item lane. He's still there with you, right? He's with you in that movie theater. (laughs) I shall say no more. Um, Okay, so here we go. In the Garden of Eden, God was with man. In the Old Testament, God appeared to man. In the tabernacle... God dwelt among men. In the history of Israel, God spoke through men. In the Gospels, God was visible as a man. But at Pentecost, God became available to dwell in the heart of every single person. Every single person. So we have a supernatural, immeasurable awesomeness within us called the Holy Spirit. But we have to release him and not keep him contained. So Lord, I pray right now that you would just seal this conversation with the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we go out into our day and into our week this week, and we reflect upon the awesome character of the Holy Spirit resident within us,
that we would um, yield to his promptings, we would recognize him speaking, we would obey his guidance, we would seek his counsel, we would invite him into our prayer times, we would fellowship with him, and as we do that, something magnificent would be released through our lives to the lives of others. Lord, my prayer for these women is at the end of these four weeks, Lord, we will be splashing in the river of the Holy Spirit and bubbling over with the knowledge of who it is that lives within us. And I just thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an awesome day.